Hello and welcome to Season 2 of The Escapismists. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Jason O'Brien. If you've listened to Season 1, you'll notice that we've made a few changes. Ted Hallett is still here and one of The Escapismists, but due to financial concerns, it's difficult to schedule the time to get together. So, what is The Escapismists? The Escapismists is a podcast about artists living in Canada and the things that we have to do to make it all work. So, we're going to be talking about art, be it writing, film, music, dance, theater, visual and digital art, all of it. We're also going to be talking about the life of an artist, the jobs that we take between gigs, or in some cases, the other part-time careers that we develop to support the important work that fulfills us. Now, if you're an artist, or if you're striving to be an artist, that sounds like a lot. And it is. And it's hard. There are setbacks, financial uncertainty, professional and personal relationships that ebb and flow. All of those things can affect our mental well-being, which can be taken for granted or ignored. As in all walks of life, there is a percentage of every workforce that is dealing with some sort of mental illness. And arts workers are certainly no different. So we're also going to be talking about how we, as individuals and as a group, can handle our mental wellness and talk about what we do to recognize our struggles and offer kindness to ourselves. If you like the show and you find it helpful, and if you're able to help us out, please visit our Patreon page that is listed in the show notes. Anything that you can do to contribute is appreciated. And now, without further ado, here is our Season 2 inaugural interview with the incredible Laura Tremblay. I had a pair of, like, starch, like, white pants. Really? Nobody wears white pants. No. And then, of course, I, I held on to them. I'm like, an audition is going to come up where I need to wear these white pants. Yeah. And for, like, three or four years, I didn't need the white pants, so I threw them out. Yeah. What happened next? Got an audition. Please wear all white. Yeah. White pants, white top. Oh, my God. It's like Murphy's Law. Ah, as soon as you throw it out. Yeah. Fuck you, Marie Kondo. Yeah, fuck you, Marie Kondo, <laughs> except no, you saved my life. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Escapemists. This is <laughs> the first episode of season two, and uh, with me is my dear friend and collaborator uh, and uh, source of inspiration, Laura Tremblay. Laura Tremblay has been working in Toronto for the last eight years. Eight years as an actor, singer, producer, songwriter, band leader, film production company founder and owner, screenwriter, director, cinematographer costume person locations person on film and every other thing that a producer has to fill in <laughs> on welcome laura tremblay thank you so much you're very welcome so this is the escapismists the escapismists i like that name thank you thank yeah. you uh it never ceases to be a thing that i have to think about pronouncing every <laughs> syllable every time the escapismists is a podcast about actors musicians visual artists artists of all kinds who are making their living in toronto to start with but in canada more widely and the things that we have to do to make it all glue together keep it positive and keep it moving forward so i thought that to start all this off, to start off season two, to start off the interview phase of the escapismists, uh, that a great place to start would be this rock of a human being, Laura Tremblay. Stop it. Yeah. 
This is the thing about interviews. I just like, there's no escaping, there's no escaping your resume. Like, uh, you know, like you put it all, I do my research, which was this morning, but I know you well. So, yes. you know, but, uh, but I wanted to like just fill in gaps. Uh, but doing the research, like you see the person's resume and it's like, that is impressive. You know, like, like when you get outside of yourself, I find, what, what do you find about where you're at right now? Yeah, thank you. It's 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 kind of crazy, like, being asked, like, if you go to a party and, like, you meet someone new, it's like, what do you do? It's like, where do I start? I, I, mm -hmm. how, how do I define myself? You know, am I an actor? Am I a singer? I heard someone say once they, they considered themselves to be a multimedia artist. Yeah. And I really, like, I, I really think that that's what I am because like mm -hmm. if you were to put me in a room and say you could only do one thing for the rest of your life like do you want it to be being an actor being a singer being a film producer I couldn't I literally couldn't choose yeah one and that's why I think when you're looking at my resume they're like this girl's crazy like she does everything yeah 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 <laughs> I never stop but I don't want to be pigeonholed I don't want to only have one thing define me because so many things myself define me yeah yeah every day brings so much different yeah uh that it's it's kind of short-sighted to just be uh, be this or be that like i found that out being a bass player i started out an electric bass and then i got an upright bass and i couldn't play it and then like i got to a point where i could play it and then i was like okay what's next yeah uh, people need composers for film I want to do that. People need composers for theater. I think I can do that. And then you figure it out as you go. If you let yourself like just stop at being an actor, just limits your own mindset as opposed to uh, the production. One of the things I wanted to talk about was there are certain constructs of being an artist in a big city, such as side work, things that you have to do to make the other thing sustainable and i wanted to talk about your work in the restaurant industry yeah how did that shape you i mean i started working in a restaurant when i was in college so i originally went to university um, and studied drama and then after that i was like i don't i don't know the first thing about how to pursue a career in the arts like i i'm from small town canada like i had no idea where to even begin so I went to college for early childhood education and to to supplement the funding of my college I started working at Boston Pizza in yeah. Midland Ontario and I just found uh, I mean the money was great it's like one of the only big restaurants in that town so everyone comes in you know you have your regular so I was like I was making more money than I thought ever was ever possible I'm like 21 years old yeah um, and it got me like I <laughs> <laughs> so not only was I like, it w I was funding my way through school, but then when I left school, I was like, okay, what am, what am I going to do now? I knew I always wanted to live in Toronto. So I'm like, I'll go to Toronto. I'll do my placements for school there. I'll figure it out. I won't hit your microphone again. All right. um, <laughs> I got the shock absorbers. So, oh, sweet. You know, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Good. Yeah. They know I'm handsy. You know I'm handsy. <laughs> um, um, so when I moved to Toronto, it only seemed like, you know, I already had that on my resume mm -hmm. and 13, 13 years of my life I spent working in one restaurant or another. And yeah. I began to really loathe it, especially once I s decided to pursue uh, being an artist. Mm -hmm. um, that was 
that was supplementing everything. Like I wasn't, I haven't really made that much money being an artist. Like sure, I've had successes. Yeah. But I've learned over the last eight years being here in Toronto that it's super hard. It's super difficult to break out in in any facet of artistry and like sure yeah. if you look at my resume like some people would be like why are you working i got i used to get asked that all the time like yeah, yeah. i'd have regulars at my bar like look up at my imdb and be like what are you doing here it's right. like it's not what everyone thinks it is like yeah that's the other thing that i was looking yeah. at you have all of these ti uh, all of these titles under your under your name as you know wearing different hats but uh, I was looking at it and I was like, okay, I think that was like a two day shoot. Uh, that was three days. That was one day. That was two weeks, you know? Yeah, exactly. And then the theater thing, but like the theater thing is, is set up so that you do something during the day so that you can do the, the play at night. Yeah. Which, you know, like you, if you can work it, if you can find something to like just, you know, like get all that to gel together, that's, that's great, but it often doesn't happen. But sorry go on yeah i mean in the grand scheme of things like yes by the end of like because right now i'm out of the restaurant i keep saying like i'll never go back and i truly hope that that is the case for me because i did really start to resent the work like people would walk in like when you see people walk into the restaurant you're working at the restaurant like that's money for you yeah but people would walk in and be like go the fuck away like i don't want to <laughs> serve another single human being like yeah. i just it it got to me so bad like i I just started resenting strangers that would come off the street. Like, mm. I knew it wasn't right for me anymore. But on the flip side of that, if I, the last restaurant job I had, I worked at for five years. They completely worked around my schedule. They let me have the shifts I wanted to have. Like, I wouldn't have been able to pursue mm -hmm. my career. And, like, that's when I, that's when I started my, um, my film company as well. And they just totally like supported me. And that's that's rare. Yeah, yeah, it is. But it if I didn't is. have them, I wouldn't have been able to pay for my life because yeah. I wasn't really making that much money in the art field. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you get out of school and then you find out that you need to constantly be working at it and like just keeping yourself in kind of a fluid state, doing workshops, doing things, yeah. going out and meeting people. And then... They call it networking, but, you know, hopefully it just gets to a point where you're hanging out and having interesting conversations. But yeah. But all that happens at night and you're yeah. working at night. And if that extra table comes in, that means that you're that you're going to be there an extra 45 minutes, which means that you're going to be late for this thing that you were going to do. And then, God damn it, there goes another night. Yeah. You know, exactly. and it happened to me, too. Like, it was just like, I've been here too long. Yeah. And. I'm suffering and the people around me are suffering. Uh, it's, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing too. Like you're, uh, I have such intense work ethic, maybe almost to a, f a fault where like I don't, uh, I follow the rules, you know, like I don't like for anybody to be having a bad time at work. Mm -hmm. Like when I was in that setting, I'm like, there, there's people that come into restaurants and they come and go and some of them are fucking assholes and you have mm -hmm. to work with them and it's super tough. So I, I, I internalize all of that. Like I take that on as a personal thing, which is like a, a fault of mine. But so when I was at work and if it was, you know what, like at my last restaurant job, there was a period of time where we had a really awful manager. Yes. And I, I took that so personally, like, like right. I just wanted to like get I, I care way too much way too much about I couldn't just leave that stuff at work mm -hmm. 
Like I take that home with me, you know? Yeah. Well, when, some, when someone's treating you like shit too, it's like, yeah, it's hard to, I don't even know where I'm going with this, but <clears throat> mm. I don't know. It, I, I, I No, but it's all a part of the experience. Totally. But, yeah. Yeah. And I really, really loved my coworkers. And uh, honestly, some of them like are now sti- because a lot of people that work in restaurants are artists. So mm. I had the privilege of meeting amazing people like look at jacob like yeah jason and i are in multiple bands together and he met our incredible guitarist jacob Mm -hmm. working at a restaurant like these people come my friend jenny she's now the resident makeup artist for lucky dime films which is my company like if i hadn't met her you Mm -hmm. know like she's such a huge staple in my life now yeah and that's because of the restaurant industry yeah so you can't knock it all no i know i know uh i was uh that was one of the things i wrote down was the positives yeah. Uh, from doing, from having, a, you know, multiple tables, it led me to stronger math skills yeah. and just instant prioritization, like while I was in the room. Totally. But as soon as I stepped out of the room, I was like off. Yeah. You know, and then like I was like, OK, and like I would take like the next day if I had a day off, like I would take it and just like kind of not be around people. Yeah. Be in a quiet place. And just recuperate, recover. Yes. It was, it's a long way to go for a job. And, you know, typically the next day you were, you were meant to be doing auditions or meant to be doing rehearsals. Yeah. But what are some of the positives that uh, came out of it for you? Yeah. So obviously like meeting lifelong friends and, yeah. and work partners um, has been incredible. And, you know, I, I've cultivated this like group of amazing, mostly women that yeah. now, you know, are such a support system for even us and our music. You know, they come to all of our shows. I've been gone there for almost a year now. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, and I mean, the, I mean, the money, the money was always good. It's what yeah. kept me there. Yeah, yeah. Because I didn't have, I didn't have to work every day. If I worked for closing bar shifts, mm-hmm. then I'd be set to pay my bills and like not feel... Like I had to be like super frugal, like money was always coming in and mm. you could pick up shifts, you know? Yeah. So it's like, if you're feeling the burn, there's always someone's shift that you can pick up. So that was good. Yeah. 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 Um, and yeah, like I said earlier, I've, I've been really, really lucky in having bosses that understand artists. I think in this city, like mm. if you're a restaurateur, you know that you're hiring either students or artists, like people... It's yeah. very rare that you're going to hire a server yeah. that's going to be there for life. And in, I don't think they want that. No, no, no. You know that, what I mean? Part of it is uh, the, <clears throat> the high turnover, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah. But in my last uh, job that wasn't a catering job, I do work a bit of catering right now, but in my last job that wasn't a catering job, I was the only artist there. I couldn't believe it. Interesting. Everyone, there were a couple of uh, film people uh, but they were, you know, behind the behind the camera, like, you know, like kind yeah. of, uh, like, I guess, you know, like, I don't know, I don't want to call behind the camera people non-creative, but you know, like they they were in it for a career path, uh, but like um, uh, people who have graduated who were waiting on a job and who had been graduated like two three years who were you know, like trying to break into their industry, but they can't because, you know, like, I don't know if Toronto's crowded, but it was, it was shocking to me that like there was nobody. That's super interesting. Yeah, like, yeah. I think I've worked at five restaurants here in the city and each one just riddled with artists. Five? Yeah. Whoa. 
Yeah, I like to hop around. (laughs) But my last job was so, like, they loved me. So I'm like, there's no way I can leave. In fact, like, I would try to quit and they'd be like, no. Like, you go do what you got to do. Your job's always here. You come back. I mean, Mm. I think that has some, oh, I think that has something to do with my work ethic. Mm. Because when I'm there, I work so hard. I take great care of the guests, you know, like they they see my value. Mm Mm-hmm. So they kept and your me. team playerness, like you know, like like the fact that you're you're a type of person who will not let someone you know like be left behind or you know like stay in a bad mood, keep their bad mood all the way through their yeah. their shift and whatnot, you know, like you know bring them into the hive or uh, or the nest or whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that brings me to uh, an interesting point. Um, if you you said if you hadn't uh, if you hadn't taken these jobs you wouldn't have met there wouldn't have been opportunities come up, um, which got me to thinking, and we're gonna you know we're gonna go back and forth like between like totally. you know, different things, but <clears throat> uh, saying yes mm. versus saying no. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> because oh, I, I love swear this topic. To God, yes, go ahead. This is um. This is something. Excuse me. <coughs> Um, saying no has been a massive, massive issue for me. I think when I started pursuing, so when I moved to Toronto, I, I initially was like, okay, I'm going to pursue an acting career. Mm-hmm. Uh, after I realized that the <laughs> being a, I was a senior kindergarten teacher for a good year there, which people would die for that job. And I just knew I was not I didn't love it I yeah. I was not fulfilled I knew I would regret it if I didn't try to pursue being an artist mm-hmm. so I left that like a fool no you know what I have no regrets about that like mm-hmm. I'm so happy with where my life has ended up yeah yeah um so when I started pursuing an acting fool, career fool in that like it was a, it was a steady job it yeah would be, you it was know. a career yeah you yeah. know it was something i had done really well in school like working towards and right. like i finally had it and i was like oh i felt so unfulfilled and also had major guilt because i knew other people were dying for teaching jobs and it was just like handed to me on a silver platter like right. i had done i was lucky because i'd done my co-op at this school and they fell in love with me and mm. when i graduated they're like we want you to work here and that's how it happened yeah yeah but anyways back to this yes and no thing mm-hmm. um so i was like it was kind of like a shock for me to like okay i'm gonna quit this career yeah and start working at a restaurant and try to pursue somehow i had no idea how to do it being an artist yeah so like first and foremost i'm a singer but i'm like okay i i have my eyes on an agent i think i want to act in film and tv and at the time like musical theater was like my number one goal Mm. being a singer actor um and then i started doing like youtube videos to just like put myself out there like exposure you know and just do these little songs on Guitars that were never tuned. They hold up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Those Thanks, YouTube Jason. videos to hold up. <laughs> I had to go through them and like get rid of some that just like really? weren't oh, any man. good. But now I'm like, oh, I wish I had that to look back on. Yeah. Um, so when Laura I started. Laura Tremblay, <laughs> The River. Look it up. Aww, it's wonderful. We're going to make you. show notes for this. Okay. When it comes out. And I'm going to put that in the show notes. Thanks, buddy. All right. Um, so when I started, I was like, I have to say yes to everything. And yeah. You know, that would be student films or, or making films with friends or, you know, 
playing at gigs for free or just saying yes to get as much exposure as humanly possible to get myself out there, right? So this is, what, eight years ago. And then when I started my film business, like, I'm just going to say yes to every script that comes my way because I need as much experience as possible. That changed quickly. Oh, that changed real quick. <laughs> now I'm like, I got to start saying no. And I have a huge problem with this, especially because, like, I'm making a lot of fil films with friends. So yeah. it's, it's hard to separate emotion and business. Mm -hmm. But I've learned, like, if I, am, if I don't feel something from your script... Listen, like making movies is fucking hard and I usually do it all. Like I'm usually wearing the hat of five people. So if you're hiring, I'm going to ask Laura Tremblay to produce my movie. You kind of probably know that she's going to be the production coordinator, the location manager, and maybe the wardrobe stylist or, you know, like the list goes on and on. Whoever we don't have, Laura will step in and do it. And for a really long time, I'm, I was more than happy. But now, mm -hmm. now that I've produced 15 films and I've acted in countless things and saying on countless stages is like okay now it's time to like really say yes to the things that i want to say yes to and right. like be more choosy because it was affecting my mental health right like i i was diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder years ago and it's not something that i i don't take drugs for it i try and work through like cognitive behavioral therapy and and that's something that i have never really had a really good full grasp on and okay. I found because I was saying yes to everything I was burning out so hard mm -hmm. so on the times that I wasn't working like right now yeah. I, I I'm on a little bit of a break right now I don't want to do anything I don't want to talk to people I don't want to go out like I feel like I'm drained yeah and that's not good like that's no. not the life I want to lead so I think now I've been more mindful of like, of every project that comes across, like, do I really want to do this? Right. And if I do, it, it should be like a yes, of course, like an immediate reaction. If I have any qualms mm -hmm. about something, then I should probably say no. And if the person on the other end of that doesn't understand that, then I don't think that I want to be in a professional relationship with them. Right, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it sounds, just from the, the, that description and the description you gave about, uh, about your work ethic in restaurants, it sounds like, like they come from the same place. Yeah. Of like give and give and give until it's over and then you just splay out into a puddle on yeah the no that's exactly what it is um can you explain to me just because it was uh something that i you know if i give it some thought i think i could understand uh mm -hmm. cognitive beha behavioral therapy <laughs> yeah so cbt cognitive yes. behavioral therapy um there's like books and stuff you can get on amazon you sometimes therapists suggest this mm -hmm. as a way to you know, overcome your thoughts. So like with GAD, generalized anxiety disorder, yeah. um, <clears throat> it's a, I'm in a constant state of worrying about the future. That's one of the biggest things for me right. is uh, self-esteem issues is one of them and like excessive worrying yeah. about what might happen. 
uh-huh. is is what takes over my brain for the majority of things. Which so, is, you know, what we're programmed to do as exactly. like a species. Like, yeah. Totally, but I have such a hard time with like living in the moment. Mm-hmm. And and being an artist is like, is this movie going to be good? You know, uh, it, it, are people going to judge my singing in the show? Like, is this show any good? Like, I've been in, ho- I was in a horrible show this year, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But... Uh, so I, CBT. I have heard uh, from a friend of mine. We were just talked about this on the weekend, actually. Yeah. And you were like, oh, yeah, that show. Oy. Laura was great. But that show. Oy. Yeah, that show is so <laughs> bad. It's so yeah. bad. We won't name names, but you can mm. look it up, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so cognitive behavioral therapy is really just um, so I use a workbook. Okay. And it's about it, it helps you overcome and, and um, be aware of your subconscious thoughts. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you have these thoughts in your head that are that are that put you down, like um, I'm not good enough, right? Yeah. So CBT teaches you to recognize that thought and put other thoughts around it. Uh, oh, I realize right now that I'm having a thought that I'm not good enough. Right. So you become in control of that thought, and there's like there's ways there's like little things in the book that you can work around it. And why do you feel this way? And mm-hmm. and little like just like not workshops, but um, just little like activities you can do to be more mindful of what your subconscious brain is doing because that's what it is the majority of the time. Yeah. Like self-esteem issues. Mm-hmm. Like, con- like this is so off topic, but I well, struggle not, but yeah. with body weight. I think I have, I've never been diagnosed, but I think I have body dysmorphia. Like I'm not a large woman. I... Right work out incessantly i probably eat really poorly <laughs> <laughs> but firm the i have never looked in the mirror and loved myself i've never been able to like accept my body my physical body mm-hmm. for being good i've always like put myself down and it's a subconscious thing it's like i can't even bear to look at myself in the mirror because i think i'm ugly yeah. and this is something i that has been drilled in me since i was a kid like i used to be obsessed with like magazines and like victoria's secret i used to run on the treadmill wow. and watch the victoria's secret fashion show yeah like that's fucked that's fucked so that's that's cognitive behavioral therapy has really helped me be aware of those thoughts um yeah. Because half the time I'm not, and so it, it it gives me tools to to put that that like no, you're wrong. Like my body's strong, my body yeah. gives me life. Like I have it so much better than other. Like I'm not diseased, I'm not sick. Mm. You know, people have it so much worse, and I sh- I should be thankful for the body I'm in. Yeah. Uh, but CBT really really helped me with with those thoughts, especially. The worrying is, uh, that's going to take a while. <laughs> my girlfriend, I named that voice for my girlfriend. Oh, what did you name it? Mallory. Why? <laughs> I was just like, who, what's a name that she probably doesn't know a person who has that name? And she doesn't. <sighs> and then she was like, I hate that name. I'm oh, like, my good. God. Good. You hate that name. That's good. Every once in a while, it comes up and it's like, that's Mallory. Yeah. This is not you. This is not yourself. This is your mind having a thought. (laughs) And just because it comes from your brain doesn't mean that like you belong to it. It's true. Yeah. But those thoughts, if you don't recognize them happening, do damage. They do damage. And they spiral. To your brain. Yes. Yeah. And to your soul. And, And I think 
that these thoughts about body dysmorphia or whatever mm. are a direct correlation to being an actor like as an yeah. actor i've always felt like i have to be the skinniest i have to be the fittest you yeah. know or i'm gonna lose out on the roles like you don't it's very rare that you see overweight people on film and tv now it's it's more in like north america widely accepted um yeah. in the uk like you know like they tend to get the best actor for the job like, yeah. like men and women and like they don't you know they don't look like they're not the hottest person who can also say lines. It's the best actor. Yes. And, you know, like within two minutes of them being on screen, you're like, right. This is just like a person like living. This is wonderful. Yeah, but that, that, that hasn't caught on everywhere. <laughs> no, it hasn't. But I remember um, I happened on an article like this is like 10 years ago, but they were talking about they were breaking down, you know, women's bodies and they were talking about the flaws in the appearance of Beyonce and Jennifer Lopez. Huh? And they were just like, well, sure, she's this and she's sure she's that, but there's this and there's that. And it's like, are you, uh, you know, I was reading this and I'm like, this is so stupid. Like, if those women are not beautiful, beauty doesn't exist. Exactly. Like, like like there's what the hell <laughs> it's shit like that though that has has made us women yeah be like i'm not good enough oh if j-lo has cellulite which i'm sorry 85 percent of women have cellulite yeah and that's gross because i remember not like they always put that on like the fronts of those magazines like look who has cellulite then then to me that's like oh then i I'm not worthy. Like I'm gross because I have cellulite too. Right. For the longest time, I'm like working against getting cellulite, and now that I have it, I like hate myself more. Yeah, and it's just like that's that's not. It's messed. It's a whole systemic thing in society and media that just like. It is being changed, I think, a little bit, but it's not fully there yet. And it's incredibly hard to steer the ship. Yeah. Like it's just, uh, you know, and then. And then the um, the back the backsplash against the movement, you know, you have someone just reaching out and saying like, "This isn't right. People need to be able to be people and breathe and live, yes. you know, and live and like just like enjoy." And then and then you have these other people, like anonymous people, who are just like, "No, you cannot." Blah blah blah, and like then the put down is like, I don't know, I don't know. Yeah. Um. That didn't make a lot of sense <laughs> that was uh, about four but i'm glad beginnings. we're talking about this because this is this is so true to so many women in this industry and yeah. men yeah to all of us yeah you know and not being able to talk about it not being able to deal with it just further separates a person and can further isolate that person and can lead to more of that own like when there's fewer voices around you it leads to more of that talk yeah and then that leads to you know like um it's a very 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 slippery slope absolutely and it's it feels like it's um it can be a very fragile way out you know, to come out of it is to like, okay, I take a step forward, I take a step forward, and then you hear something terrible, and it's like, oh my god, and yeah. then you, you know, and then you you back in your shell again, and you're like, okay, maybe I don't do that again, you know? Yeah. And so, like, to encourage people to like take steps out of their lives, like, um, 
is uh, is what we're here doing. Yeah. <laughs> um, I wanted to talk to you in insofar as all of this stuff. I, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about was um, what happened because I feel like we've known each other for seven years, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so th- the way that we were introduced, we were introduced through uh, through a wonderful human being who's uh, who's a songwriter named uh, Ali Sue. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was in a band and the singer of the band was also an actor and he had an audition and he got it. And then he went on to tour Book of Mormon for about six years. He yeah. toured the world. Ended up in Australia, met his wife, and now lives in New York City. Ryan Bondi, what up? <laughs> uh, and then, so we were looking for a replacement for Ryan Bondi, and um, and Ali Sue suggested her friend that she had met, Laura Tremblay. And Laura and I met for coffee. Uh, she was on time. I was a bit late. <laughs> and <laughs> What else is new? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, what else is new is that I'm catching up. Less late, but I show up with coffee. <laughs> you always home. make up for it. Yeah, uh, and uh, and then we started playing together. We started rehearsing. We started playing together, and then she got a major <laughs> tour of a musical, and so I felt like at you know I was out of two singers back to back, but I was also felt like a bit of a hit maker. <laughs> Your band was cursed. <laughs> No, but I felt like, you know, like we, like th- we had the Midas touch, you know, like we were just like, off you go. It's the final we push. We primed you. Yeah, 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 off, yeah. Um, but then you, then you came back and uh, it was put in your head to record an album. And I wanted to talk about the shift, like 2015, when you came back, that album, and then... The, sh- the shift in your mindset from being an actor to being a pro- being a producer. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So great. Could you yeah. Speak about that. Of course. Um, yeah. So like I said earlier, uh, I started pursuing a career in acting. I met you guys like sing- singing mm. when I was a child. If you asked me when I was a baby child, like four or five, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a singer. Like, that's when I started singing. I was four or five years old took lessons um but again i didn't know where to start to pursue a career in music like you i didn't know anybody that was doing it and i i did but i didn't feel comfortable enough to reach out to them Mm. um like the born ruffians a band um they're from midland and they're huge right now like i probably could have reached out to them like they don't know me that well but i'm like remember me from high school you know yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) um so i just felt like acting was the easiest route to go. I was dating an actor at the time, so I had some sort of like insight. And, and I also wanted to pursue that as well. So when I met you, mm. you know, I was auditioning for musical theater, trying to tie the two things together, and, and, and that happened. So when mm. I came back, I still, I still had no idea. Uh, and that musical is Evil Dead, the musical, by the way. Yeah. It was pretty, pretty fun. Um, but I still had no clue how to 
pursue a career in music. It's still, at the time, I was like, it was still something I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought maybe I was getting too old. I had always heard, like, if you want to be a musician, like, you have to start young. And I was, like, 25 at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was lucky. I was, uh, I was in a movie called The Cocksure Lads um, in 2013. No, 2014 it came out. Mm-hmm. And the executive producer, the first of all, the director of that film is Murray Foster from the band Great Big C. Mm-hmm. Um, and him and the executive producer of the movie, at the time I was making my silly YouTube videos, right. um, they creeped me. So those <laughs> videos, no, seriously, those videos actually did what I wanted them to do. They mm. gave me the exposure. That putting those out there made someone go, I believe that this girl has more to show. I want to see it. So I was sort of ambushed right. by these two strange men. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Abby Fettergreen, uh, who is one of Canada's top producers. He was just uh, he was just honored at Cannes Film Festival this year as one of Canada's top top producers. Oh, great. Um, and he is now we're making movies together. But that's a different story. Um, or later in this same. Yeah. Story, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, I came back from that musical, that movie came out, and I received a message from Abby Fettergreen saying, I want to meet with you. And I'm like, who? Like, I had never met him on set. He was on set, and I was only there a couple days. Right. So I sat down for coffee with him, and he was like, you need to make a record. I'm like, well, I don't know how to do that. Mm. Like, I've, I've written songs in the past, but I wouldn't call myself a songwriter per se. He's like, just like put the pedal to the metal and try to do it. And I was like, okay, and not just like, lit a fire under my ass and then it was like he him and murray murray foster came on as producer of the record yeah and they were like you should write like 25 songs and i had three months we like set deadlines Mm -hmm. and i fucking did it i sat down every day and i just wrote whatever came out of me just me and my guitar Mm -hmm. and i gathered you guys together and you know i gathered jason and jacob who we were talking about earlier uh my best friend Kashka, and then I found who is an amazing person. She's just I'm going to move heaven and earth to get her on this podcast. An incredible person. Yeah. Oh my god, I will go pick her up. Yeah. Um, and then uh, actually, I should tell the story of how I found Stefan because that's a pretty funny story. But Stefan's oh. our drummer, so I I, I found Stefan and uh, and Dan Abramson was on keys, and um, they all decided. You guys were like, sure, we'll. <laughs> we'll make a record with you Laura I'm like I don't have any money like I'm not even really a songwriter but will you believe in me (laughs) and for some crazy fucking reason they did Mm. um and I was really impressed with myself I was like how am I just shooting out all of this music like it was always just like in me I just needed someone to like give me that push yeah and he wasn't giving me money or anything it was more like you can do this here's how and he wasn't mm. a record producer, Abby, but mm. he he knew how to produce films. So he's like, he knew how to get money. So mm. And he was f- uh, familiar with systemizing exactly. things too. Yeah. yeah. So I did a, he suggested I do an Indiegogo campaign, which was the first and the last. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I can't do Indiegogo campaigns anymore. No one gives me money. I've begged too many times, but that's oh. a different story. Um, mm. Yeah. So I did the Indiegogo ca- campaign for that. And we, we made the record that yeah. I like we brought the 25 songs down to I think we recorded 12 songs and mm-hmm. 11 ended up on the record yeah um it was such a wonderful time like yeah. 
we had so much fun. It was just such like a beautiful bonding experience. Yeah. And honestly, man, I can't wait to do it again. It's been a couple years and I needed for a long time there. I was like, I don't feel like writing. I don't feel like, mm. like pursuing a career in music is so hard. Yeah. It's so hard. Like we went on tour. We went across Canada. Like how we've played countless shows in this city. Like yeah. I don't know how many freaking shows. Mm hmm we've played you know the city across ontario yeah and, uh you guys went out west uh we went all the way across like we went we did the via rail artist on board program mm -hmm. which is amazing for any musician out there if you're like i want to go on tour go to via rail online and apply they need like proof that you're a canadian musician and that you write your own music mm -hmm. but basically you get a free a free trip we got from toronto to vancouver if you play music on the train mm -hmm. it was amazing it was and it's, such a good opportunity it's not a free trip like it would be the <clears throat> you, you showed me the their list of things that you needed like it was like four hours of music and yeah. like 80 percent of it canadian no 100 percent canadian music what? really four sets a day for three days and we couldn't duplicate on so we could mm -hmm. um so there's three different sides of the train there's like the first class there was only like there was like a family there of like five in the right. first class cabin and then there's coach where we were and then there's not coach um coach is like the back of the train where they're eating hot dogs and hamburgers we're in the right. middle of the train where you Business get like class maybe yeah that yeah. sounds right so we played sorry we played three shows a day not four no we played four because we would get off at the um we would get off at train stations and play in the train stations too so the first time i ever saw like jasper canada was on the train to vancouver so we we yes it was taxing we had a lot of music to learn because we only had you know we weren't playing all the songs i wrote we hadn't like made them the best they could be so we really only had like 15 original songs and the rest had to be canadian content so we had a lot of learning to do our binder was huge but um, it was such a good opportunity. And if you're a SOCAN member, you can get a discount at Avis Car, like car rentals. Mm -hmm. So when we got to Vancouver, we used my SOCAN membership number and got like a 50% discount on a car that took us from Vancouver to Calgary. And we, we toured BC and we ended in huh. Calgary with our last show and then flew home. But it was... It was amazing. It was life changing. I, I want to do it again. I didn't know that about the SoCan thing. That's great. Yeah, I know all these little tips. Yeah, yeah. Gladys, I'm gonna be looking you up soon. <laughs> but um, th that happened, and then I realized quickly after, like, I didn't know if I had the hustle or the stamina to keep it up. Yeah. I I like lost not interest because you get me on a stage like that's my happy place like yeah, yeah. i could perform every day like that fulfills me like nothing else mm. like being in front of a camera just like they both give me the same like sense of accomplishment yeah but the whole like there's no there's no money to be made unless you're touring mm -hmm. and selling merchandise and touring in canada is um you know, like you travel for hours yeah. and days before you get to uh, the next thing. Right? Yeah. You know, going going west of Toronto is a slog. 
Absolutely. Know? Oh, like, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, east, it's like there's Kingston, there's Ottawa, there's all the townships that have art artists hotspots in the in their little communities, like the what was it? Napanee. Uh, what was the? Remember the um the one where I got the mug? Uh, it was that cafe. That yeah, Napanee. That was Napanee. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that and you know, yeah. like all the way out out east, like there, like it's just pockmarked with all kinds of stuff. Out west, it's like Sault Ste. Marie, <laughs> Thunder Bay, yeah, <laughs> Winnipeg, <laughs> and then you know Regina. But then like oh, Saskatchewan, you know, like it's yeah. it's tough to get out there. Totally, you um, need money to do that. Yeah, and I yeah. was working at a restaurant, so like that wasn't that was only giving me enough to pay for my life mm. and my monthly bills, like. And then to get four people with durability and the altruism to do that consistently and be able to like set their lives up in the way that they can take two months and do exactly these things. Like it's, it's, that's, um, it's a rare group of people, you know, whose priorities kind of would stay in that realm. Yeah. Um, totally. And I think that's what turned me off of continuing to like go after it yeah. like we still play shows here yeah. in the city like you know we get asked to do the random thing too mm. we have an annual show at the horseshoe which i think is gr- like great yeah absolutely. um but now like finally i've put you know i write a list of goals for myself all the time and mm. things i'd like to accomplish and i think next year i'm ready to make another record nice. and mostly just for fun like it's not yeah. f- it's never been about monetary value for me mm-hmm. obviously it's nice like now i'm finally making money making film and television yeah i'm not being creative like you said earlier some of these people behind the camera like some of it isn't creative and what i'm doing right now like i'm getting paid a lot of money but i don't have anything to do with the creative side of things right right. so it's this like double-edged sword it's like okay i have the i have a lot of money now And I can like go on trips and like fund short films and and that's fucking great. Yeah. But you know, working twelve hours a day like that drains you too. I'm going yeah. totally off of. Mm. What, but now well, I'm like, okay, I'm ready to make another record. But yes. you had asked um, how that then snowballed into creating there Lucky Dime films and yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, I feel like maybe this is a fault of mine. I just keep trying to like try all these different paths. Mm-hmm. Uh. So acting always stayed. Then we we tried the course with with uh, the music thing, um, and honestly, like now we have like we have a subsect of our band that's the picture frames, and we play like we're a jazz trio of sorts, mm-hmm. uh, and we play lots of shows and have a residency at Friday Harbor in the summers. Like that kind of stuff, like fulfills me. Absolutely, you yeah. know. And being with you guys, like it's yeah. just so special. Um, I, I would have to say, just to interrupt for a second, yeah. uh, I feel like I'm a lot on the same track. And we, we've never talked about this, yeah. but like, I love playing. But one of my favorite things about playing is just rehearsing. Yeah. You know, like, like the, the three or the four of us come get together at someone's house usually. Yeah. And we have a drink and then we speak this other language together. And it's so beautiful and relaxing. But then you get to a show and there's weather and there's like you know like i play upright bass and uh, i don't have a car because i live in toronto and it's you know so there there's traffic and there's travel and getting this thing over and 
uh, and then you get to the venue and then you don't get to do a proper sound check because so and so or this and that happened mm -hmm. and then you get up and you don't sound like the way you want to sound and there may or may not be that moment of relaxation on stage which is really really trying and I love playing music but all that other stuff does add up totally and it's a lot of stress and yeah. you know you get approached for like hey what if you just do this oh yeah dad but just do it and i'm like why just because i can do it doesn't mean that gives me the incentive to do it well this goes back to the saying no thing yeah, yeah. you know what i mean yeah yeah but the flip side of that is that every fucking thing that i've ever done has has <laughs> <laughs> has had positive effect. Almost everything yeah. has had like like a positive, unforeseen arch thing that that lands you somewhere else. You know, yeah. uh, and and so you're. I'm always try to be so selective as to saying no. But for the last two years, I haven't said yes to like a new project where I'm the bass player. It has made a profound, a profoundly good. Uh, resonant effect on my playing first of all I'm not just running around chasing my tail like I feel like I've, I've developed more in the two years of like giving myself space from the from music and my instrument I come back to the instrument and I'm like whoa yeah like just the things that are important have settled in and those are the things that I'm put that I'm putting out more yeah more readily and it's 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 a wonderful <laughs> feeling um, it does feel good hey? yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And it's fewer, but they're just like polished pieces, you know, like these little gems that are like. Totally. That's what it's about. That this is where we're going. You yeah. Know? Like, um, and it's it's nothing against all the all the of other opportunities. Not. It's just like I, there's only so much that I can handle, and still be a viable, pleasant human being to yes. come home to. Like, yes. Yeah. Exactly. We all have thresholds. Yeah. You know, and as artists, I think we all collectively think like we we got to say yes to everything because what if that is the thing that takes off, you know? Yeah. And then if you don't take it, you're like, you're kicking yourself because you weren't involved in that project that could have, I don't know, like... And you have like... Made you bigger. Yeah. Whatever. Two weeks right? off and you're like, God, oh, I should have been a part of that. <clears throat> yeah. 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 Uh. It's difficult. It's really hard to like just... I find following my gut is the easiest thing. Mind you, I've only been doing this saying no thing for a mm. couple months. So. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to start off the year with that, and I, I ended up making a movie that I'm very proud of. So, it, you know, yeah, yeah. my initial reaction, it, it's the same thing. It's like, ah, uh, I don't think I can take this on mental health-wise. Right. It's a lot of work. Yeah. But it's one of my best friends making this movie. I love the script. Yeah. Okay. You got I'll it. do one more. Yeah. And now that it's done, I'm like, I'm so thankful that I did it. Mm -hmm. But now mm -hmm. I know my boundaries, too. It's like, I, I can't be five people. If yeah. we're going to make this movie, let's make it right and let's hire, yeah. let's find the money to hire Take the, the proper time, people. Take the time, move the timeline back. Yes. How have you been doing with timelines with Lucky Time? Because like, like I remember when you first started, you were like, I'm going to be a producer. And then the next time I saw you, it was like you were out at sea and there were huge waves <laughs> and you were like, hi, Jason. I'm Drowning. to see you. I'm, I'm still over here. I'm trying to. <laughs> that is exactly what was happening. And, yeah. you know, I was like, 
okay hey. <laughs> <laughs> bye uh, i'll be here you know see you yeah. later how is that like the lucky dime have you settled in to yeah i mean to answer your question that i didn't answer earlier and yes. how lucky dime came to be was yes. basically basically just me waiting around as an actor feeling like you know i keep get as an actor you go to all these auditions you get a million no's before you get a yes like everyone mm. knows that and if you don't don't be an actor because it's not easy because mm-hmm. um, you get rejected so much. But I I understand that part of it. A lot of it comes down to look. It doesn't, sometimes like it has nothing to do with your acting ability. You know, sometimes the director is picturing a blonde woman instead mm-hmm. of a brunette or whatever. You, you know, two it, inches it, too short exactly. for the person who's already cast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she might have an extra 15 pounds on her. You right. Know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go way back to what we were talking about earlier, but that's right. Um, that was built into. I uh, remember Fred and Ethel from the Lucille Ball show. Yeah, I love Lucy. Yeah, it was built into Ethel's contract that she could never be below a certain weight, so that she was always second banana to Lucy. Wow. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. That's intense. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I was like sick of waiting around for roles to come my way so the way I started producing films was I wanted to create work for myself so I could have more material for my acting demo reel Mm -hmm. so that's how that came to be I met an amazing cinematographer at my restaurant job Jillian Ponnell she now lives in Ottawa (laughs) I miss you Jillian um and she was just like like minded, you know. She just wanted to go out and make some art with friends, and it wasn't about the money for her. Let's just like get together and write a movie and and make a movie together. Mm-hmm. So that's how it started. Um, I wrote a film called Menses, which is on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look it up, I, if you just search Menses, I think it's under Dynamic Dream Productions. It was yeah. the original production company with Jillian and I, and I made that movie with her. Um, I directed, starred in it. But this whole thing was like, I'm just going to create a production company to make my own stuff. So I did that. The movie came out. I went to a couple festivals. And Jillian left. She went to like the Netherlands for forever. And I had like caught this filmmaking bug. Yeah. I'm like, I got I got to make more films. The curtain was pulled back. Yeah. yeah. And I think this, the next one I made was Doors, which you worked on. Yes, I did. So my good friend Chris Hagen recognized menses he's like whoa you did a really good job with like no money i think we spent like 400 bucks on that movie like we used a dsl dslr camera mm-hmm. we used a skateboard as a dolly you know like all these like stories you hear of like first-time filmmakers just trying to DIY. like get something yeah yeah and it, it like natural light we rented a lab from long and mcquade and just like did it ourselves yeah um and yeah it's not the best quality movie but like we made a fucking movie you know we were super proud of that mm-hmm. and so chris is a writer uh, among many, many other things. He's a very talented guy, many but he, uh, yeah, he's a super great musician, actor. But he, um, he's like, do you want to make my movie? He's like, I have some money and mm. I'm willing to fund this. Do you like the script? You know, I'm like, I did. Mm-hmm. And I, I enjoy genre films. Like I, I really want to make horror movies. So I, I got on board with that. And then mm. it just... From there on, it was like a, a rumor went out in the world. And it's like, Laura Trombley's making movies now. Right. And she seems to be okay at it, so let's mm. give her a call. So <laughs> <clears throat> I, I 
I finished Doors. You did an amazing job composing on that film. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Uh, lots of lessons learned. Agreed. You know, Me for too. both of us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, being really the first, like that was the first like real movie with like a director of photography. Like not that Jillian's not a DOP, but he had like a red camera and like lights and like all this the like stuff you need to make a real movie. Like we mm-hmm. had a production designer and like makeup and hair and wardrobe and yeah. And I orchestrated all of that and I like caught this bug and I'm like, I want to make all the movies. So mm-hmm. Avi Feathergreen, who approached me about making my record, who saw something in me, I asked mm-hmm. him if he would teach me how to produce movies. Mm-hmm. And he was like, let me show you everything I know, kid. And he really just like took me under his wing mm-hmm. and he made me associate producer on a feature film called Life Changer, yeah. which went to over 30 festivals. It's a, another genre horror movie. Um, Justin McConnell is the director on that. But that was one of the hardest things I've ever done, like helping produce a feature film. And again, the, the beginning of Laura wearing all the hats. Yeah. Because I proved on this like 25-day feature film shoot with like 25 actors and like 30 locations in 25 days. Like I could do, I was invincible. I was tired as fuck. That's when you wrote, I can do anything, wasn't it? Actually, yeah, I think I think it is when I wrote the song, I can do anything. To be featured on the next album. Well, we'll see. <laughs> on the Christian album. It, yeah. can be, it can be doubled as a Christian song. I yeah. mean that might break us out. It's <laughs> Just true, some it's sort true. Of, yeah. yeah, there's uh, there's a market. <laughs> yeah, but after Life Changer, I I um I just kept getting asked to make all these films, and a lot of them with really good, talented friends. And of course, you don't. I want to make art, yeah. and I I really do enjoy producing. Mm-hmm. I really really like it, and I think I'm good at it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I saw it as not only like oh maybe this is something I can pursue and feel feel like I, I am doing something that I want to do with my life. What <laughs> is it about producing? I like being the boss. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, yeah. I've just always been like such a um, very organized. Mm-hmm. Um, I like being presented with challenges. Like I just, at first, a lot of it scared me shitless. Like, mm-hmm. Evie really did a good job in letting me, like, as the associate producer, and I was also the production coordinator on, on Life Changer, but I sat in an office with him, and he, he literally taught me everything I know to this yeah. day. And I just produced one of his, his directorial debut, actually, and him and I are making three feature films next year. So now he's like, now it's like, I'm no longer your mentor. He's like, you're my producing partner. He's like, I don't want to make a movie without you. I'm mm-hmm. like, that's, holy fuck, like, yeah. that's really? Okay. Yeah. Um, that means a lot to me. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. But he knows I'll stop at nothing to get the job done. Yeah. Like I proved that to him, but he taught that to me also. Mm-hmm. Like he has a tattoo that says, uh, don't take no for an answer on his arm. Right. You know? Right. And that like I don't know, that that's always rung true mm-hmm. with me as well. If it's something I really want, like just go after it and get it. Yeah. Um but he really, really like helped me believe in myself as a producer. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoy the work. I enjoy. So it's a lot of just like solving problems. Yeah. So like just uh, 
so uh, a movie gets broken down into little tasks. Yeah. And then you just check off the little tasks. Exactly. Delegate the little tasks as you need them. And then, you know, like it's not like a massive problem. It's all these little things. Exactly. Nice. And, I, and I've, I've gotten to a point now where I can foresee where, <laughs> and this might have that's something to do with generalized anxiety disorder, but I can see where problems might arise yeah, and yeah. try to nip them in the bud before they even happen. Right, right. You know, so yeah. I, I'm very like, now that I've made 15 films, I'm like, okay. Yeah. I know what could go wrong here. Let's try and like make sure it doesn't happen. Right, again. right. Yeah. It's all lessons learned. Right, right. right? Yeah. yeah, we could lose a day if we don't get uh, winter tires. Yeah. You know, like... No, exactly. Happen. Yeah, yeah. 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 Hmm. Nice. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Um. So you said you got the seeing bug when you were four or five? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. What... Was there a moment when you were singing where you were like, I think this is it? I mean, like, as a child, you don't really feel that way, per se. I think when I was, like, I think I was closer to 12 is when I picked up the guitar Mm -hmm. and started writing then and singing to myself, you know, writing as a 12, 13-year-old. So I think then was when I realized, okay, like, this could maybe be a job or something I can pursue. And a, Mm -hmm. a dream. It was my dream. Right. To be a famous singer. Right, right. You know? Yeah. But there's like videos of, my mom always says she realized I could sing when I was four years old and I was singing along to I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston in the car. Right. And she just like sobbed all the way. She just like shut up and like listened to me sing this fucking song. And I'm like oblivious. Yeah. Just yeah. this like four year old girl. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. My mom like gets home. She's like, I think our daughter is a singer. Like and yeah. just like freaking out. And it runs in my family too, right? right. Like yeah, my dad's yeah. a wonderful singer. He would never say that. Really? He's so, he's so talented. Dave, you've been outed. Yeah, <laughs> you have. But that comes from my grandmother too. Like his mother was an incredible singer. Um, See, I don't, th- I don't think I really like knew mm. that I wanted that yeah. until I was like twelve. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And you know, you're, I, w- I was heavily influenced by like pop stars. Yeah. You know, like Christina Aguilera was everything to me. Like I always yeah. say, like she taught me how to sing because I would try. I did take lessons for a very long time, contemporary vocal lessons, um, yeah. which was mostly like how do you breathe properly. Mm-hmm. But I would try to emulate what christina sounded like Mm -hmm. so i would sing her songs and like try to do the crazy trills and whatever i actually remember i was in a i was in the wise men's music festival which is a a big music festival i think it happens all throughout ontario maybe even canada Mm -hmm. um and i i was in like eight competitions that year or something i won like a star award or whatever but something that's always stuck with me Mm -hmm. and i think changed my singing style then was I sang Hero by Mariah Carey. And the adjudicator was like, Laura, you have a really great voice. She's like, but I wish you sang like Laura and not like Mariah. And I realized I've been trying to sound so much like these pop stars and not like me. Like I hadn't found Laura's voice. Right, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So that really changed something in me. It's like, okay, like I don't have to sound like Christina Aguilera. I don't have to sound like right. Mariah Carey. Like I can be my own thing. Really fine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Wow. I think that was around like 15 or 16. Yeah. That that happened. Huh. Yeah. Hmm. I remember, I don't remember what year or what time, but 
uh, I was in a band called the Elasto Citizens, mm-hmm. where I was one of the primary songwriters. Like, like for a while, it was me and one other songwriter. And I was the bass player in a funk band, which was a big dream of mine. And we were playing at the Horseshoe Tavern. There were 300 people there. It was, it was packed and it was sweaty. And it was, the air was thick. And, it w- and we were just giving everything to the audience. And the audience was giving everything back to us. And I just had this moment of, this is it. This is happening everyone is losing it including myself to this music that we created and it was an affirmation that i didn't i didn't know about and i didn't expect i can do this the reaction that the music and the feeling that we were giving was entirely what we set out to do and i've had that (coughs) that that's that's how that's felt that's what the elasto citizens did i've had that in different permutations with every endeavor that it's happened with another moment was when the doors came out because what you were saying when we worked on the doors with chris hagan who's Mm -hmm. incredible and he he just allowed like this this palette for all of us to create in and uh what was the name of the actress uh Kristen McCullough. Kristen McCullough. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. She's it's so good. an incredible performance for yeah. her. Uh she plays two characters in it. And and it was my first time being in the thick of it in that kind of way. It was a lot of try, you know, like it, okay, this isn't working, try again. Okay, we need to tighten, try again, we need to tighten. And it got to a point where I was like, I, you know, I couldn't tell the wheat from the chaff, the forest from the trees. And I was like, oh, my God. Several months later, the, the film gets completed and uh, it opens at uh, Scotiabank Theatre. Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> Toronto After Dark Film Festival. Yeah. And I, yeah. <coughs> Toronto Ac- After Dark Film Festival. And, uh, and I snuck in and uh, I saw this thing that, I, you know, like I had time to emotionally remove myself from it. Yeah. And I watched this film and I watched and I was able to like just like hear the beats and like, you know, like like the beats of the film, I mean, uh, and just how things landed and how things landed. And I was like, it works. This is what we went for. This is what we've achieved. This is great. I've expressed that to you and I've expressed that to Chris, but like (coughs) it, it was another kind of affirming moment of like, okay, that's what it takes and that's that's where you get to when you go through it yeah so as those as as examples do you have any like kind of experiences oh my god yeah Yeah. and it's so um it's so easy to like get caught up in the work of it you Mm. know and get too close to the work yeah especially as a filmmaker like i'm i'm experiencing that right now and i'm sure he's experiencing it more um mike donis and i just made uh who's a brilliant filmmaker director actor uh, we just, uh, I realized I started my, my company to make movies for myself and I haven't done that since Menses. I mean, I, I had a bit part in a web series I made with Michelle Kay, who's another amazing director who I make a lot of films with. Um, and that's having its festival run right now. So I had a little bit part in it, but I didn't write it for myself. So this, uh, in October we shot, um, uh, a short film called Scattered about a brother and sister who are estranged from each other and they come back together to scatter their parents' ashes and end up like 
you know, um, making their problems a part of the past. Mm. So yeah. Mike, mm. right now, not only did he direct the film, but he was the lead actor in it. And now he's doing all of post-production. So he's so close to the work yeah and even i feel so it's it's hard watching it because it's like i'm i'm not an outsider it's hard to tell like is this good is it not like i think it's great yeah um but there's certain moments where it, in filmmaking especially and it's usually it usually happens on set when i'm when i take the time to watch the monitor mm -hmm. uh which i don't often do i'll often just put myself in a corner like go minions and do your like i've done my job you go and you know i've set you up go and work right, you know? right, right, yeah. <laughs> um but it often happens that i'll, I'll watch the monitor at, at the right point and i'm so close to the work part of it that that's all i've been thinking about and then i'll see something happen on the screen and it's for instance in in abby Fettergreen's movie red balloon like that was a lot of work. It was a lot of work setting up that entire movie. I got so close to the work, but then on the very last shot of the second day, I sat beside the monitor and I watched the monitor and just this wave of, oh, this, this is why I do this. You know, yeah. the, the, the performance, the art of it all. Yeah. Like I get emotional just thinking about it, but it's like, mm -hmm. okay, like this is why I grind myself into the ground because I believe in something so hard. Mm -hmm that this feeling, I never want it to go away, yeah. you know? And, and and with that film in particular, like watching the, the multiple edits of it, every time I've watched it, I've been like, oh, like, this is yeah. exactly why I do this. Same with our yeah. web series, Here's Ginger. Like, anytime I'd catch, um, you know, Chantel Wilson, who played Ginger, acting in that, like, it just, it just reiterates for me why I started making movies in the first place. Yes, I started making movies for myself, but now I realize that that's not the case. Like, mm. I I want to make art for the world to see yeah. um, and just believe in in other artists other than myself and, and help mm. put their art out into the world. Like, that, that means something to me, yeah. you know? So yeah. oftentimes I'll feel that, like, if I'm watching the monitor, that, like, wave of, of emotion will come over and every time we play on stage like i every single time for me it's like sometimes i'm like i don't want to go to that gig i i'd rather not sing tonight yeah. you know like i have this weird feeling and then once i'm there i'm like fuck that was the best show we ever played like i get this euphoric yeah. and usually at our our annual tiff party like mm. we've done that three years in a row now i don't mm. think that'll ever die <laughs> um and now we're at the horseshoe we played the horseshoe like three times like remember back in the day like oh i could never get a show at the horseshoe mm -hmm. and now i can you know call them up and they're like come on over you yeah, know yeah. like we we've got ourselves to that point yeah. but i always have these really crazy adrenaline hangovers yeah it almost feels like my wedding night like <laughs> seriously no i had this intense like guilt after my wedding like that i didn't get to like talk to or like spend oh, enough yeah. time with everyone that came to support me yeah and i feel that after every show i feel like this juxtaposition between feeling so incredibly high on life like i just got to show my art to the world and people are responding to it and they're dancing and they're singing along and yeah. to my words yeah like that that just like just kill me now like i could die happy after yeah. hearing someone sing deal with you back to me you Absolutely, know yeah. like that's an incredible feeling but then there's this like the next morning i wake up i call it the adrenaline hangover mm -hmm. I'm like oh i didn't get to 
talk to that person who came or that person or spend mm. enough time like that. I haven't seen them in months and they came to see my show and I, you know, I didn't spend quality time with them and then right. I send all these texts out like, I'm so sorry I didn't talk to you more. And I yeah. feel this like intense guilt Yeah. at the same wow. time as feeling like super fucking high. Yeah. It's weird. Wow. I, I feel at the end of a show and like, I don't get to talk to those people, but I kind of make a list of people. I go through everyone that I can think of that I saw and, you know, I'm like, I, Hey, thank you so much for coming out. We should, you know, we should make time for ourselves, for ourselves. We should do this, you know? And, and then like, um, I found shows kind of rekindle relationships in yeah. that way, you know? I, I, yeah, I've never, uh, like, you know, like, like Papa's busy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, I'm doing, I'm doing this. It's, um, <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, yeah. But the come down is just like the preparation and the go and the go and the go and the go. And then you do it and then, the show's over and you kind of like and then what's next and Dude. then all of that anxiety for Dude. me that all of that anxiety sets in and oh could this have gone better those things that you know like yes oh, oh i didn't i know i always get texts from you like two days later like oh i'm sorry i messed up that note like what i didn't even like notice like how are you still thinking about <laughs> like oh, nobody yeah. noticed that yeah, <laughs> except yeah. for you jason mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <sighs> But this is so interesting because this goes back to, oh gosh, no, now I've lost my train of thought. And uh, I was like, oh, wait. Was, we can come back to it, but okay. keep, keep going. No, now I forget what I was going to say. Oh, no. <laughs> wait. Ah, oh, shit. It was good, mm. too. Oh, the podcast will suffer now. <laughs> I, I've written down from that, uh, the come down. And oh, yeah. Okay. So we're talking about the awful musical I did. Okay, yeah. This year, okay. Yeah. Um, yes, the musical was awful. It was a Mervish show. Like, I got right. to be on a Mervish stage. I got to you be in... You got to workshop and create a Mervish. Oh, my God. I got to be in, like, the same dressing room as Shoshana Bean in Wicked. Like, just, like, that to me, I was so overwhelmed with positive emotion during that time yeah. that I would cry happy tears. Like, I'd just be, like, driving to my hair appointment and, like, crying because i was so my mm -hmm. my likeness was on the outside of a building like yeah. in three different pictures like that's that's something i've dreamt about my entire life mm -hmm. so for that to come to fruition for me mm -hmm. albeit the show was horrible yeah i mean everyone involved is amazing and we all like we had the best time yeah, yeah. but ending that show mm -hmm. I, I didn't know what was wrong with me i i went into a really bad depression after that mm. really really bad like a downward spiral like i was so high for yeah. so long like i'm do i'm living my dream yeah and it was such a short run yeah that after it was just like done yeah i didn't know what to do with myself i went back to the restaurant you know mm. i'm going i felt like i was going backwards there well there's so much that happened in that in that time though yeah because you you know, like like an actor goes out for auditions and like like you go in, you do your audition, then you move on with your life. Yeah. You know, and like like you can't really expect anything from that. You hope, but you can't really expect exactly. from anything. So you, from the outside, you had just started Lucky Time, and things were starting to add up. Uh, I think yeah. You started the web series at that point. Like yeah. you were you were going beyond pre-production. You were going into shooting. 
I yes, think. you're right. No, you're totally right. And then there's this thing of like, okay, stop. You're going to you're going to Alberta, and you're yeah. going to go workshop this thing, and we're going to sequester you, and you're going to be doing all this stuff. You're going to be workshopping, and then uh, and then you know the contract that you were given was potentially going through 2021 and all of that stuff. Yeah. And then, so you're like, okay stop we're on this road you know like i'm hitching myself to this to this wagon and then the wagon gets going and then the wagon has its own you know like life and whatnot and then you come off of that and then all of that momentum you know like because you were like lucky dime lucky dime lucky dime and then all of that had to be curbed yeah and you left all this space and then that space was just yeah suddenly empty you know and so you know like uh, to me that is like a very understandable process to have gone through yeah like okay now like okay well it was supposed to be six months and now it's like four you know whatever the numbers were and then like, like you were supposed okay. to go on like a north american tour yeah for yeah. like six months yeah and then the company just decided they didn't want to do that show and then they just like did a different show and then that's the and that's non-union the fluid, too you know like flexibility of the actor you know and yeah like, you know, you get your hopes up. Yeah. But at the time when I was going through the depression, I didn't understand what was going on. Right. I was like, why am I feeling this? What's wrong with me? Like, I've always had anxiety, but not like, not sadness. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Excuse me. And gr- I, I felt like I was grieving it being over. Yeah. But I think you're right. I like, I, I was so excited and it was, it was a huge thing to happen. Yeah. But then, you know, the bad reviews come in and, and those hit you and you're like, oh, like we always knew the show needed work, but it's like now they're just going to give up fully on it. Yeah. And that's what it seems like is happening. It's like you get these ideas in your head. I thought, oh, I'm going to be recording an original cast album. And like yeah. I get to be involved in this like crazy process of bringing this thing to life. Yeah, yeah. And for that to just like, nope, we're not doing it anymore. Mm-hmm. Like that, I, I, it was like a like a death almost yeah you know because i had gotten my hopes up so high but i signed a contract yeah like you know a contract that albeit had a a clause that said we can null and void this contact contract with two weeks right right notice yeah but still you think and you hope like and that won't be the case you prepare for your life to work around this contract that is going to be a major chunk of you know like your income for the year and all that stuff there's one thing that I, um, that I wanted to talk about is like, is that come down? Because that's something that everyone deals with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it always, like the deep seated root of it, I feel like is something that always takes everyone by surprise. Yeah. You know, like you finish a show and then you're like, okay, well, that's done. It's finished. And then like two days later, you're like, oh. Like, you know, your shoulders are slumped, like you have all this time and like there's a, there's a void in front of you. Um, and, uh, and I feel like that that's something that I want to delve into on this podcast. And, you know, like this may be like this may be, you know, we're at we've been going for 80 minutes now. So, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Get so, us together. We don't shut the hell yeah, up. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, like. Um, Insofar, like you know, it's the it's the by it's one of the byproducts of doing of doing 
work and like doing a project mm -hmm. is that like do 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 and then you complete the project and then the project gets released and how you know if it's theater if it's film or tv or whatever uh web web content like goes out and then what you know i feel like that mm -hmm. feeling is something i've avoided my entire career because mm -hmm. i'm too scared of it what do you mean like I, I i don't want there to i've had a problem with there being downtime yeah. because i i've been in that spot where i'm like well what the fuck is next what am i going to do with myself like that's done right you know like yeah. what's what is coming up so i've said yes to so many things that i don't even have that time anymore because right. you know i'll finish one film and then I'll go directly into pre-production on another mm -hmm. or or uh, you know get act in something and then like write something for like there's always something else to do right. whereas now I'm at a point in my life where I'm like, I, I want that downtime. Right. I want the time to like get over that thing. Because yeah. I think you need oh, it. Like you know a what grieving I mean? process. Yeah. Huh. And I hadn't felt it that intensely um, until the musical ended this year. And I think because it was such like, listen, when I first started acting, God, I thought musical theater, musical theater, musical theater. I'm not a dancer. I'm, in fact, one of the worst dancers out there. I can move. Don't laugh, Jason. He's laughing silently. I'm not laughing. He <laughs> is because he knows it's fucking true. Well, listen to this story. So when I first started acting, I thought I can be a musical theater star. I got the singing chops. I got the acting chops. Mm. I can move. You know, leads mm. don't do a lot of dancing. Yeah. So, but you know, you got to like do your work in the ensemble until right, <laughs> you become right. a lead so my very first musical theater audition mm. oh my god was um uh, what was it uh wizard of oz at mervish so my agent he's great he's i'm like a non-union girl he gets me into this audition whatever in the breakdown it says please bring character shoes i'm like I didn't think to Google. I asked my film and TV agent, what are character shoes? And he says, whatever you think the character would wear. I was going out for Glinda. Okay. So I go to H&M and I buy these bright pink kitten heels. And I show up at the fucking dance call with these bright pink kitten heels. Character shoes are not bright pink kitten heels. They're actual dancing shoes for musical theater. And I didn't know that because, like, I've never studied musical theater. The beige was a one-inch Beige, heel. black. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. They have a little strap across them. All of these, like, dancers are looking at me like, what the fuck is this girl doing? And the dance combination is the hardest thing I've ever done. And I, I ended up leaving in, like, sheer embarrassment. Like, I, oh. I didn't even want to get down to the part. Like, because in a dance call, they break you down into, like, threes once you mm. learn it and then you got to do it and it was the hardest fucking thing i've ever had to do so i left before we got to that point and i called my agent and, i'll never be in musical theater like my dreams are over mm. so for me to book each musical that i've booked i've only done three professional musical musicals mm -hmm. so the last one to be on a mervish stage as the lead in their show that was something i never thought that i could accomplish Right. So once I did, yeah, the come down from it being over was like, it was heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah. You know, you never think, oh, it's gonna be over. You don't prepare yourself for that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's it is like it's a mournful time. Yeah. And you can't even quite explain. Like, my husband, like, what's wrong with you? Like, I don't even know. I'm just like right. so sad every day. Yeah. Because it's not happening anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't care that the show, like the writing, wasn't that good. Yeah. But doing it was so 
insanely enjoyable. Well, people are great too. Oh my god, like yeah. lifelong friends. Like we S- had such an amazing time. Same thing with restaurants, time. you know, like like there there are, you know, there's the work <laughs> that you do that you're not inspired by, but there's the people that you do it with and when, you know, like when you're in a restaurant and it's like just an overwhelming amount of people, you have the people around you that you can that you can trust and count on yeah. and you go through it together and that's it is yeah. bonding. Totally. Like unless it falls apart, and, <laughs> <laughs> and then you know, and then uh, uh, you know, like knives come out. But um, <laughs> but then at least you went through that together. You did. Yeah. You did. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, murder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's all very interesting. Yeah. So now I'm now. I mean, I went through that. But when it comes to like film and TV, TV acting or or filmmaking, mm-hmm. um. I don't allow, I haven't had the chance to like go through that because I'm always on to the next thing. Yeah. And that's actually a problem. Mm-hmm. Like you need the time to like think about what you could have improved on, what went well. Disseminate, what, debrief yeah. with those people. And if yeah. that comes with sadness for yeah. it being over, then sit in that and feel it and understand why. Yeah. Because it probably went really fucking good and that's why you're sad. Yeah. That it's over. Yeah. I, I just saw... Um, Patrick Hodson, uh, our mutual friend who is a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, God, I love that guy. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I just saw him for the first time since uh, we did a movie together for uh, Action Can. Or, so, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah Action yeah, yeah. Can Films. I was just like, we never got a chance to talk about what, what we did together, you know? And the first time I was seeing it, they were doing like company launch night. Oh, yeah. Uh, so they had eight short films and, uh, and I actually played with another sound designer, with another composer, I played like the hour and a half, ended up being an hour and a half um, beforehand. And it was a really beautiful experience because both of us just like entered into a soundscape and like we would just, you know, just gently do things. We got together once and, and he said, yeah, I can play that for four minutes. And then when we got to the thing, I was like, all right, let's stretch it. Everything that we think we're gonna be four minutes, well, let's make it seven. <laughs> <laughs> And then we'd we'd be joking with each other of like, okay, bring that back in six minutes, and then I did it. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I, I I talked to Patrick, and he was actually filming a they they booked it based on doing a forty eight hour uh, film festival thing. Oh. Uh, so they had like this this you know giant place booked, and then they they were able to do a crowd scene. Uh, based on whether or not they got in, they they found out at seven o'clock that they got in, and then at eight o'clock they were doing you Whoa. know parts of the movie and stuff. So you know, very ingenious of them. Yeah, uh, really go to. But so Patrick was directing this as it was happening. But okay. you know, I had a moment with him. I was like, we never you know like did a debrief of of the film that we made, and we, you know, I'd like to get together with you. So I'm gonna be getting together with him. Nice. Uh, He'd be a good guy to talk to actually on this podcast. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. He yeah. does it all, man. And he's just like, he's one of the most selfless people I've ever, ever met in this yeah, industry. He's, totally. Yeah. 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 Um, the, the other thing that I wrote down uh, when, when we were talking about the come down was uh, balance. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> <clears throat> well, it, like what you were saying uh, for on one, on the one hand, like doing the, doing the moment after taking the time to, you know, like, like just like, what that experience was, what the, you know, I don't know what the story was or, you know, like what the story did to you, what the process did to you. 
Um, uh, do you feel like do you feel like you each each one changes you? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was scary for a while there because I was saying yes to everything that like I've only owned my company for three years and last year and this year combined I've made I don't even know how many mm. short films and um and a web series but um I was starting to resent it already resent what the work because because I never gave myself a break yeah um <clears throat> So I felt for a while they were changing me for the worse. Right. Like I felt mm. like I was starting to like people are taking advantage of me because, but it was my fault because I would say, yes, like I can do that. I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. Right. right. Um, but then I would turn or like, for instance, I hired somebody to be a certain position on a crew recently yeah. and they just weren't pulling their weight. And I, mm. I kept, trying to ask like what do you need from me to help you like because i need you to do this i can't take it on yeah. and it ended up mean ha me having to take over the position in order for it to get done for the right. work to be done right so i was starting to get like anxious and and upset and resenting like when i was starting making movies like i'd be in pre-production so all day i'd have to spend on the computer and then go to the restaurant at night, you know, so I'm mm. working all of these crazy hours mm. on stuff that I'm not getting paid for. Right. I'm doing it just because I think I have to, to gain more experience. Mm. So I think for a while there, it was, it was changing me, um, in a not so good way as in like, I need a break from this mm -hmm. or I'm not going to ever want to do it again. And I do want, I know that I do want to do it. Right. Right. But now I know what I need to set myself up for success. Okay. I know that I'm not, like like I said earlier, we all have thresholds and I've never been aware of mine until now. So I guess that's, yeah. a, that's a positive change. Now I'm fully aware of my limits yeah. and what I can take on mental health wise because mm. it's not healthy for me to be going at the pace I have been going. Mm -hmm. there, needs to, there needs to be that breathing room. And if it's sad, then that's fine. I think that that means that it was a good thing that happened. If you're if you're like grieving it, yeah. Um, hmm. But each each film I make, uh, in particular, because I feel like that's the majority of what I've been doing lately. Um, you know, I take different things away from it. You learn who you love working with, who yeah. you don't. Yeah, yeah. What kind of content you want to create? Like, what makes you, f you know proud to be a, a filmmaker you know yeah, yeah and now i'm starting to be choosy i'm learning how to say no yeah. what to say no to if i don't feel something from a mm. script why would i spend my time and energy not i don't usually get paid for these things um in making that like it just doesn't make sense and for a long time i was just like Yes, 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 yes. I'll make whatever. Like you could write, I'm a plastic bag on a piece of paper and hand it to me and we'd make a movie out of it. Like I don't, I can't like, I can't follow that life anymore. <laughs> I'm a plastic bag. Um, so yeah, I feel like a different person. Um, I feel more in control, less mm. scared. 
I used to, mm. when we were making Life Changer and Abby really like believed in me to like take the reins on doing things and making the phone calls and like making the hard decisions. Mm. Um, I was so afraid. Yeah. I was so afraid. I hate talking on the phone. I don't know if it's like being a millennial or something. Like it's just not something I feel comfortable doing. When someone calls me, I'm like, just fucking text. You yeah. Know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that's yeah. the day and age we live in. Transaction, let's go. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> but now I feel like way more in control mm. i know myself better um mm. and, my, and my limitations and uh at the end of the day i think i'm really proud of myself for all of the things that i've done yeah yeah nice yeah uh i had a friend um his wife's an actor uh and he was you know wore different hats uh but uh he said that when she would take a theater contract out of town that before she signed it they would have to go through it together and just be like okay so if you're gonna you we're gonna be apart for three months at the end of this we have to like the deal was if, if it was more than two weeks they had to uh do something together to kind of like like you know like not as payback exactly but to bring them back together yeah. you know so that like she doesn't just drop get dropped back into life and then they're like oh and then there's all of this like you know like, like just the, the separation like the that anxiety that that builds up um like my girlfriend went away for for two weeks this summer and like i fell apart this place was a mess <laughs> <laughs> you know? at first i was like yeah bachelor like uh, my first night when she was gone i made myself two steaks oh my <laughs> I was god like, oh, oh, oh. And then, i'm like, a, a man and then a week in i was just like in a, in my sweater just going oh, 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 oh yeah <laughs> Uh, this is how I used to feel when I was like a bachelor and like alone and like oh. yeah I like my life better the other way like yeah I can go with that like two stakes <laughs> I really I really enjoy that concept like I I'm in a relationship I'm married to an actor you know mm. when we first met we met each other and then two months later he was off on a three-month contract like we didn't even know each other and we decided like let's try to do long distance. Like he was in Alberta and right. I was here in Ontario. And like, that was a huge decision to make. Yeah. But we knew there was something special about each other that we didn't want to give it up. Right. Yeah. So yeah. we've spent the majority of our relationship apart. So yeah. it's something we're used to. Right. Uh, like for, he was gone for nine months straight. He did three contracts that's in right. a row. Right. Oh, God, yeah. And like, while that's hard, it's great because we understand each other's lives, mm -hmm. but like we got married. We, we're not, we got married two years ago, two, two years ago this September. Mm. And we still haven't gone on a honeymoon because we've always put our work because you never know when it's going to come. Yeah. Right. And it's that anxiety of like, yeah, but, but what if I say no. Yeah. yeah. And I miss out on this. I miss out on that money. Like yeah. he, he, then he your was agent offered is a like, contract. Oh, I didn't see that you blocked this out, but there's this big thing that you could be good for. Well, I mean, maybe, and yeah. Yeah. And this particular thing after our wedding, like was just offered to Andrew. Like he didn't even have to audition. And that's a point as an actor that you want to get. Yeah. You know what I mean? You just get a phone call. We want you to come do this show. Like, fuck. Yeah. I want to come do the show. Like yeah. you want me specifically take me mm -hmm. and i've uh, we both understand that about each other but i really like that i think that's important to like cultivate your relationship and like mm. get it <clears throat> yeah make it uh, stay as strong as possible and take that time with each other yeah yeah did i ever tell you the bono story 
No. Well, was that to the extreme with some negatives. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Bono's wife doesn't let him when when he does a world tour with your with you two comes back after however long it's been and she doesn't let him in the house for two weeks what <laughs> he has to just decompress from being huh. the center of everyone's attention night after night city after city you know and like that whole like freaking character that he developed for himself over decades and uh and her thing was, is that I like my, I love my husband. I don't like Bono. <laughs> wow. So he's got to like decompress for two weeks huh. after he finishes that. And then he's, and then he rejoins his family. Interesting. Yeah. That's tough, but you know, that's, that's probably for the best. If that's what works for mm. them, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> I remember he did um, a music video that was just, a parade of him going through like the downtown of some city and it was just like like just banners going by uh, going by the other way it was like you know somebody was drumming and the, on the drum set i'm sorry and then like and then there would be like another banner of like please forgive me and all of this stuff because he made the decision to continue recording or whatever over their anniversary oh and God. she was pissed. of course yeah and like the whole thing was just him going like him, like just with like a shit-eating grin, going, "I am bad. I done bad. I'm sorry. Like, please forgive me. I love you. This is me. This is fun, right? I spent all this money on this crazy thing. I'm really sorry. I'm really, really sorry." And I think that you know that kind of uh, work, uh, work-life dynamic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, one last thing about balance. Yeah, we were talking before before this uh, podcast began, um, almost one hundred minutes ago. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I could go all day. Yeah, this is the longest one we've ever done. Yes. Um. Uh. About uh diet. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> diet and so far as balance. Uh, yeah. How's that going? <laughs> Yeah, because yeah, that's yeah, an ongoing yeah, struggle yeah. for me, as you know, as I'm in my 40s and things change. And, you know, oh yeah, man! Yeah. It was like my 30th birthday happened, and my body was like, "I'm different now." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, What's working for? It? I've always had a really, really tough relationship with food. Mm-hmm. Um, I am an emotional eater. Yeah. Uh. I also smoke a lot of marijuana, mm-hmm. uh, which gives you the munchies. Yeah, which leads to quick choices. Yeah, I'm a yo-yo dieter. Yeah, and I always have been, and I think this goes back to, um, you know, like being a teenager and like being filled with the magazines and the Victoria's Secret fashion show, or whatever. I always thought like I have to be on a diet. I have to be as skinny as possible. Right. Um, but now it's more like eating as for fuel and mm. and um what makes you feel good i still struggle like fuck this year i've done keto and i've done the whole 30 and i'm always like on these different eating bandwagons mm. to try and get as skinny as possible right. and then i end up falling off the wagon and binge eating and then yeah. gaining more weight and then hating myself about it like Food and me, like diet is not, it's really something I, I actually um, mm. 
started talking to a therapist this year about this specific topic because I do struggle with it a lot. Sometimes I'll like find a stride where I'm like, okay, I'm just like eating healthy, Mm -hmm. um, whole, whole foods to like help myself feel good. Like I have gut intestinal issues too. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that addiction, man, like the sugar addiction, it's real. It is real. Carb addiction is real. Mm. And I have it. Really? And I think it stems from my family too. Right. Yeah. Like we are all, we're all like carboholics. It's like Mm. something in it. And I think there are studies done that like say that like refined sugars are extreme. They're like, they're as addictive as cocaine or something. Yeah. 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 So I've found over the last couple of years trying to like figure this out that I, um, I have a better time in life if I allow myself to just eat what I want. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, you know, yeah. There, it's. It, I have a hard time balancing that. I really do. Some days I pig the fuck out, and mm. other days I'm like, okay, today I'm just gonna eat like whole foods, vegetables and fruits, and yeah. just lean protein and whatever. But mm. it's a battle. Well, it's that 80-20 thing of like, you know, 80% on the path, 20%, fuck it, you know? Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, because uh, like being on the path all the time requires a zealotry that, yeah. you know, is daunting at best, you know? Yes. Like, like, you know, I think veganism is a great idea. Yeah. But I think steak is delicious. Me too. You know, and like, <laughs> yeah. yeah and I'm, you know, uh, I'm open to change. I, I found out in the last 18 months I'm gluten intolerant and I have difficulty now with, uh, with lactose. So dairy, um, my girlfriend, uh, is like, like has like a bigger intolerance towards dairy. So, you know, like we've made changes and it's like, okay, that wasn't the end of the world. You know, mm-hmm. like you, you adapt and whatever, but like I bought some chocolates yesterday and they've got barley malt in it. And I found that out afterwards. And so, you know, like I went to bed going like, yeah. and I didn't think about it. It was just chocolates, you know? Yeah. Why would there be malt in, in chocolates? Yeah. But there you go. Huh. You know, so, you know, my bad for not checking, but also like. Mm. <laughs> but like foods like that, I uh, they make me feel better. Like I said, like yeah. I'm an emotional eater. So it's yeah. like, huh. And I'm a very emotional person. So when I'm happy, I fucking eat. When I'm sad or anxious, I eat. Like it's just, it's just a tremble thing. Mm -hmm. It's that way for a lot of people. Yeah. And when I'm alone, there's no stopping me. And I've been alone the last two weeks. Like Andrew's rehearsing for his next musical and I'm like, feed me, baby. Like that's all I've been doing. It's just like buying junk food and like gorging on it. I feel like shit. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, yeah. And like when you're working on a project too, like, you know, you're sitting there at a computer, not necessarily being active unless, you know, like you set yourself up and like, all right, two hours, let's do some squats or something like yeah. that. But, you know, I wouldn't do that. Uh, <laughs> I've heard about it. <laughs> so, like, you know, so I'm like, all right, like, like for me, it's like salt, you know, and like, like I'll just like have like a bag of chips or whatever. And I'll yeah. Just be like, Okay, right, 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 right. Chomp, 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 right, right, right. Chomp, chomp, chomp. Continue, continue. Chomp, chomp, chomp. Email, you know. Yeah. And like, like at the end of like a week, and like, okay, all that stuff got done, but uh, this isn't, you know, the greatest. Yeah. So, 
it's crazy. And then you leave, you leave the serving industry too. And like mm-hmm. you pack on these pounds that you've never had. It's like, what the fuck is happening to me? It's like, oh, you're sitting at a desk now. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're not, not moving around for your like job. a maniac. Yeah. yeah. Working out has never been an issue for me. Like I've right. always been, like I started exercising when I was like 16. Right. And I think that is an addiction. Yeah. Um, I've always gone to the gym four or five times a week. And I, I, it really helps my anxiety. It makes me feel so good. I'm going to the gym after this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, um, <clears throat> I heard somebody say that. Uh, like anxiety is, a part of anxiety is a buildup of energy. Yeah. You know, like your mind is, got all this energy and it's got to have something to do um all right let's make problems you know yeah <laughs> like, this is fine but i'm sure it could be better uh, you know and it's like and then you like but then you reach the end of like a day where you've done a lot of work and you're like okay i'm good good night yeah <laughs> you know it's hard working in film and tv too like no, that's what i've been doing this past year is yeah. working on the production side of of children's television i don't know how i ended up there but it's yeah. fun but then there's craft services Good recommendations oh my god yeah. yeah oh my god our caterer so i'm i'm working on we're bringing blues clues back to tv kids hey check it out it's on hulu nickelodeon nice um pretty pretty cool to be involved in bringing that back to life mm-hmm. <clears throat> love it but the catering yeah. is so good Really? Oh God! And I, uh, I do intermittent fasting, right? Like, and I have right. since last May, and yeah. I, I really, I, my body has adapted to it. I really love it. But this caterer makes the best breakfast. Oh, yeah. <gasps> it's so hard at work to like stay away from. Like, it's just there. I'm sitting at my desk, same as you. It's just like, what snacks can I have now? Yeah, you know? yeah just yeah. gorging on keep like going, keep going. free, amazing food. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just sitting there in front of me. Oh. It's so hard. Wow. The willpower like needs to be real. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I imagine I wouldn't do well in that situation. <laughs> it's tough. It's so tough. Mm. And every day I'm like, today's the day I'll start anew and gain new willpower that I've never had before. And, you know, that'll last a couple of days and then I fall off the wagon. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. The 80% wagon. Mm. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. All right. What do you think? Sweet. I could just talk to you all day uh, long. I know. I know. This yeah. is really nice. <laughs> I know. Um, on behalf, I do have to say this uh, out loud and thoroughly. On behalf of JOB Music Media, uh, I would like to thank you for being the first interviewee uh, for the Escapismists. I've told you this in person. Now I'm going to embarrass you on uh, on the podcast. Uh, I wouldn't be doing any of this if I weren't shown the path through uh, Laura Tremblay, Laura Tremblay music, through Lucky Dime, through um, your friendship and perseverance. Um, you're an incredible leader. Uh, you're an incredible band leader. You're one of the most generous people I know, one of the most generous singers I've ever met. Um a very rhythmic singer, Laura Tremblay. Rhythmic. Yeah, she's uh, <clears throat> working with her as as a as a member of the rhythm section. Working with her has always been an absolute joy because, like, I think that a part of what was important. I'm just giving you a read here, but a part of what's important uh, to Laura Tremblay in music is the communal feeling that the band gets from. 
hitting the beat as hard as you can as a band um and it's wonderful it's awesome uh thank you you've been inspiring to me i've told you you've been a part of a fulcrum moment in my life and all of this stuff i can't express to you enough how important you've been to me in these last oh i love you so much i love you too Look at that. Look at that timing. And my girlfriend is back home. I guess the podcast is over. And the podcast is over. (laughs) And that was episode one of season two of The Escapismists. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. Uh, My name is Jason O'Brien. The music that you hear, our theme music, is written by me. Uh, This show is also edited by me. And uh, it is all done as part of J-O-B Music Media. Again, if you like what you hear, uh, I encourage you to go to our Patreon page and thank you very much and we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>